your word will come with accuracy and power. That your word will come with authority and with insight. We didn't just come here today to have punch and pigeon truth. We came here today that we may receive truth and investigate it and have understanding of what you are saying to us. We ask, Lord, that everyone will be blessed. We ask, Lord, that you will give seed to the sower, bread to the eat, empower your church after today. We give you all the glory and all the praise this morning. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Jesus was born as the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. Jesus knew his mission was to fulfill the will of the Father. That was the mission of Jesus. The scripture says in Hebrews chapter 10, in verses 5 to 7, it says, Lo, I come in the volume of the book as it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. But that wasn't the first time that scripture was written. It's also in the book of Psalms, chapter number 40. The Bible says in chapter number 40, verses 6 to 8, Lo, I come. In the bottom of the book, it is written of me, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Thy law is within my heart. God, in the Old Testament, instructed the people to build him a temple. We all remember that. In that temple was the throne of God. And in the room where the throne was, there was the presence and the glory of God in that room. Of course, we call it the holiest of all. But that was the hold. And the Bible says, if the hold is not faulty, there will be no need for the new. So God said, well, that is over right now. He says, not my temple. No, my temple is no longer going to be made with the hands of men. But the builders of the whole temple will not become my place of habitation. They will become my temple. So the temple is no longer in a building, in a structure. It's no longer there. God said, that is in the whole, and that was faulty. What I want to do now is that I want to make the people who built the temple my temple. And if they choose to, I will allow my spirit to come within them and I will write my laws in their heart. No longer will the laws be in the tablets, neither in the breastplate of the high priest. Many of us remember the breastplate of the high priest? It had the laws on them. It says the laws will no longer be in the breastplate of the high priest. Now I will write my laws in their hearts. And no one shall teach another how to know the Lord, for they shall know him from the least to the greatest. Isn't that the word? So what Jesus is saying to us, and what we have seen in the New Testament, is that we're no longer seeing the glory in the temple and in the place, but the glory is now within you and within me. The Bible says, for Christ in us is the hope of glory. Christ in us is the hope of glory. That was the predeterminate counsel of God. So that leads me this morning to this place where Jesus was arrested 
when Jesus was arrested and was brought before Pilate, few things were said, and I want to remind us of them. As soon as Jesus was being quizzed by Pilate, Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? I mean, let's remember that question. <laughs> Jesus said, You have said it. Do you know prior to this time, Jesus had never declared himself to anyone as a king? Did you notice that? He never said it. Jesus never mentioned that he was a king to anyone. But in the moment of trial, Pilate approached Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, Yes, as you said. Now, that moment was a moment of ridicule. It wasn't a moment of merit. Pilate wanted to ridicule, if you are the king of the Jews, why are you being dragged into this place under these mess and allegations? Why? And Jesus responded, but what Jesus was saying was very simple. They were in two terms. Jesus knew his kingdom was not of this world at that time. His kingdom was not visible or physical. But the kingdom was real. Jesus admitted, yes, I am the king of the Jews. Because indeed, I am a king. But I will not be limited to the Jews very soon. Because as in a few hours from now, I will not only be the king of the Jews, I will become the king of kings. Because on his resurrection, he no longer was just the king of the Jews. He is not the king of the nations. He is not the king of all nations. He is not the king of all flesh. Jesus knew what he was talking about. But Pilate did it to ridicule him. Behold! And if you remember the story of the cross, even while they laid him on the cross, they put a little signal on, it, on top of the cross. The king of the Jews. Jesus did not deny the reality. This morning, I came here to declare to you, just before I mention that, do you also agree with me that Jesus will soon reign on this earth? It wasn't a visible kingdom at the time, but a time is coming when Jesus will return in the millennium to rule over the earth for a thousand years. That's the scriptures. It is going to happen. It will be king of the nations of the world. It will be real. It will be a visible kingdom. But at the time, it was an invisible kingdom. Now, following the resurrection, we talk so much about the power of resurrection. We talk so much about the incidents that led to the resurrection. But I want us to see something this morning. In a few minutes, I believe the Holy Spirit will guide me to speak to us very succinctly about this. In the days following his resurrection, Jesus kept appearing to people. I mean, let's remember that. Eventually, over 500 people witnessed that Jesus is alive. I'm not going to use the words, he's alive, because he's still alive right now. However, the most important witness to the resurrection in all scriptures point to the suffering but also the risen savior let me read the book of luke with us this morning if you don't mind can you turn your bible to the book of luke chapter 24 i like to read from the book of from verse 36 through 49 
Glory to God. Hallelujah. Everybody is here together with me? Luke chapter 24, verses 36 to 49. If you're ready, say amen. And as they thus speak, Jesus stood in the midst of them and said unto them, Peace be with you. And they were terrified and affrighted, supposed that they had seen a ghost. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled? And why do you why do thoughts, why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands, my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me, touch me, and see, for a spirit has no flesh and bones as you see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And why they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have you any here any meat? Now let me quickly show us the picture of what is going on here. Jesus appeared to the people who were supposed to be his disciples, right? And he proclaimed to them, it is high. I'm here. The Bible tells us they did not believe him. He explained to them, look, I am alive. I am not just a spirit. They were afraid that they saw a ghost. And that doesn't sound, that sounds very familiar. A lot of people are afraid of ghosts. <laughs> when they see something, it's a ghost. And the disciples in the same way felt they saw a ghost. Jesus said, if I'm a ghost, then I'm not going to have bones and flesh. Is that right? I am alive. Where I'm going this morning is this, church. Jesus demonstrated his living and his entity by manifesting himself to people that could see him physically and touch him physically. So when we say that the Savior is risen and he is alive, it is not a fable. It is a documented history. It's a reality that Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus did not only rise from the dead, and he was not a ghost when he rose. He was a living being. He had bones and flesh in him just to prove what he had already told his disciples that on the third day, I will arise from the dead. But people, he told, did not believe that he will rise from the dead. They were shocked. Maybe I should was share shocked. They saw the feature. It looked like Jesus. But they couldn't believe that he could rise. Let me read for them, verse 41. And while they yet believed not for joy, and wondered, he said unto them, Have ye here any meat? And they gave him a piece of bright fish. And of an onion. Maybe from today you start eating fish. That's very important. Um, an honeycomb, the Bible says, and they took it and did eat before them. 44, and he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you. I want us to pay attention. While I was yet with you, 
that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. That he opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures and said unto them, Thus it is written, Thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. Verse 49. And behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on earth. Jesus in these scriptures that I read stated unequivocally, unequivocally the place of prophecy of his incarnation. Jesus spoke about the, the word becoming flesh. John chapter 1. The Bible tells us he came unto his own. And his own received him not. But as many as received him to them gave him power to become the sons of God. Even to those who believe in his name. Verse 14. And the world became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory of only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus spoke about his incarnation. He also spoke about his life and death and resurrection. Jesus wanted to prove beyond the shadow of death that what he said about his, the validity of his resurrection was proven by coming to see there several individuals at different locations for different reasons. Now let me take you chronologically through certain places where Jesus, it, it was a deliberate move by Jesus. Chapter 1 wants to be alive to this. Do you know Jesus already knew that the Pharisees and the doctors of law would try to doctor the truth that indeed Jesus did not rise? that his disciples stole him overnight and they pretended that he rose they took his body away and they probably cremated his body therefore you have no trace whether jesus indeed rose now to to invalidate the process of their deception jesus decided to manifest and to show himself in different locations to different people to let them understand Forget about the story of the Pharisees. My word is true. May I say to you this morning, forget about the story of the word. His word is true. What he says, he will do. He has the ability, he has the grace, he has the, 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 the audacity to do exactly what he has said. Inherent in the word of God is the ability to fulfill itself. God does not need any man to fulfill his word. The Bible says he hastens his word to perform it. Amen. Glory to God. So why would Jesus do this? Because he knew what was in the heart of man. Now I love Paul the Apostle. He pulls no punches when he said these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let us hear it in verses 14 to 17. And if Christ 
had not been raised. I want us to hear this. Our preaching is useless. Anybody hear me this morning? If Christ had not been raised, our preaching is what? Useless. And so is your faith. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who also fallen asleep in Christ are lost. I want us to watch this scenario. If Christ has not been has not been raised, your faith is what? Futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ. Then we have all people the most pitied. So what Paul is saying is this. Without resurrection, there is no hope. Without resurrection, there is no eternal life. So how can we be sure that Jesus rose from the dead? Jesus, in the text, brought all these things together. To show that indeed his resurrection was real. Let me take us through some of those scriptures. Matthew chapter 28. You can write it down and then we can talk about it one by one. Matthew chapter 28 from verses 5 to 6. The Bible says 5 to 6. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for his reason, just as he said. I wrote that to us. John chapter 20 verse 14. If you can see that, John 20, verse 14. At this, Mary turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she said, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. So he manifested and showed himself to who? To Mary. Number three, Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 15. Now the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emus about seven miles from Jerusalem, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. Do we see the third one? Jesus walked along with these men that were going on their way to Emmaus. He joined himself to them. In Luke 24, verses 36, 33 to 36, and they got up and returned up at once to Jerusalem. And there they found the eleven and those with them assembled together, saying, Is it true? It is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told, the two told what had happened on the way, and how Jesus was recognized by them when they broke the bread. And while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them. And said to them, Peace be with you. Remember, he saw the two on the way to Emmaus. And when those two went back to the other crowd, they discussed what they saw. While they were still talking, Jesus showed up again. Why was Jesus doing all this? John chapter 20, verse 19. And on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for the fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. John chapter 20 verse 26. 
A week later, his disciples were in the house again. And Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. John chapter 21 verses 1 and 2. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the son of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. And finally, I think I have the last two, Matthew 28. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 5 to 8. And Jesus appeared to Cephas and to the twelve. After that, he appeared more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. This is the report of Paul. Most of whom are still living, though some are falling asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And the last, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. Do we hear the testimony of Paul? Paul said, not only did he appear to the level, not only did he appear to the 500, he appeared to me too. All of this proved one fact. Jesus physically appeared to validate that his resurrection was not can defeat the word of the Lord because it's a proof that the reality of what he has said is not just on what, on what we read, it's also in the reality of the people that saw him. But there's another reason to have confidence this morning, church. I want to quickly mention this very quickly. There's another reason to have confidence in this resurrection. Did you notice there was a deliberate effort by the Pharisees to kill the truth? I mean, it was, there was, it was an intentional approach. So Jesus was crucified on the Friday. On Saturday, this is what happened. Let me read to us what happened on Saturday. Matthew 27. The chief priest in verse 20, 62. And the Pharisees went to Pilate. Do we all right read, love me reading these scriptures? Because I just want us to see pictures and see it well. The chief priest and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, the deceiver said, they called Jesus the deceiver. Did we hear that? They called him the deceiver said, after three days I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people he has been raised from the dead. And now the last quote, the last deception will be worse than the first. Then on Sunday, this happened. On Saturday was what I just said. On Sunday, this happened. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 12. And when the priest had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. May not understand, but I will explain it. So the soldiers took the money and did 
as they were instructed. And this story had been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Do you see the reason why I'm reading this morning? That there is an intense, extensive contention about the validity of the risen Christ. And this was engineered to invalidate the entire process of resurrection and your liberty and mine. Our faith is futile if there's no resurrection. Do you know you cannot be a Christian without resurrection? There is no such thing called faith without resurrection. Therefore, it is essential that we understand the ironic thing that was going on here. It's a little ironic to me that the people that saw Jesus, walk with Jesus, die with Jesus, did not believe he rose. Now, the Pharisees, who were his antagonists, were the ones who went to the elders and said to the elders, he said he will rise in three days. Therefore, so they believed and they remembered everything Jesus said. Do you know that the disciples had forgotten Jesus said he will rise in third day? But these men remembered and they made plans ahead of time to stop that from happening if it ever will happen. Now, that was an interesting irony. But there was a greater irony that I see here. Do you know that many times we usually say to people, who are the people who saw Jesus first after he resurrected? Let me ask us this one. Who are the people who saw Jesus first? That's not true. I know that's what we proclaim for many years. Glory to God. Thank you, sis. I don't mean to. <laughs> it's a well-known truth. It's a publicized truth that the first people who saw Jesus when they rose from the dead were the women. That's not totally true. The first people, that's the ironic, ironic part of this, the first people who saw Jesus when they rose were actually the guards. I mean, I don't know what I'm talking about. When they saw the angel that showed up, the Bible said they fell on their faces as though dead. It was one angel. Not many angels, just one. To roll the stone away. When they saw that, they fell as though dead. Therefore, they ran back to the city. This is the irony, ironic part of this. It's important that I mention this. Do you know what this man did was so dangerous? That's why the chiefs and the Pharisees told them, we will make sure we speak on your behalf to the government so that you don't get in trouble. You know why? If a God fails in his responsibility, it is a judgment of death. Anybody in the house hear me this morning? It's a judgment of death. Now, these guards could not even hold back the truth. They ran straight to the chiefs and they said, listen, something happened. Let me read to us what they said because it's important. They said, this is what, and while the women were on their way, some of the guards went to the city. I want us to hear this. And reported to the chief priest everything that had happened. So they said to the chiefs and the priests, look, this is no joke. We saw an angel. We couldn't lift our head up. The Bible says, that doesn't mean they were dead. They were alive. They saw what was going on. And they saw Jesus emerge from the grave. They saw it with their eyes. So they reported to the chiefs and the Pharisees all that they saw. Now, you may not understand what this means. It means they had failed and they were not even afraid for their own life. 
to the point of going to the chiefs to tell the chiefs the truth. And the chiefs now said, well, if this indeed happened, we have to find a way to end this so that the news does not get to the street. Or we try to create a diversion so that people are confused. So what did they do? They pay, instead of killing the guards, they paid the guards. They paid them that they would change their story. Now, hear the story. Please, anyone in the house this morning, I want you to tell me the logic in this. This is what the guard said. While we were sleeping, his disciples came and took his body away. That was the story. Excuse me, church. When you were sleeping, do you know when somebody took somebody away? <laughs> church, do we, do we understand the, the, the idiotic statement in this? How do you know somebody took somebody else away when you were sleeping? And what did you do? Is that not your responsibility to prevent them from taking his body? But the lies went round. That's why Jesus wanted to prove he's living in many ways, not just in one. One, he appeared in several locations. Even those who saw him, the Bible says, some still doubted, even when they saw him physically. No wonder Jesus said, I know what is in the nature of man. Can you touch me? Put your hands in my hands. I wanted to see it. I wanted to see the holes on my side. I wanted to see the holes in my hand. I wanted to feel my bones. Because indeed, this is not a fable.